So I want to remind you again that if you're at home with us today, thank you for being here. We're going to be partaking of communion in about 20 minutes. And uh, we need you to kind of grab some stuff from your countertops, from whatever you got, some juice and some bread. And uh, today uh, we're going to partake of the Lord's table. So I want to start with this concept. I want, to, I want to ask you a question. What is the most expensive meal that you have ever eaten, that you paid for? You went to a restaurant and paid for a meal. What is the most expensive out to dinner, out, to, out for a date? What's the most expensive dinner you've ever purchased? Well, I know of a couple. I, I've never, I, I don't make that much money, so I, I, mean, I, I could never afford this, but uh, the Weston Hotel in New York City offers a white truffle bagel that sells for about $1,000 a piece. That's, that is, that's the truth. A thousand bucks for a bagel. I don't know who can afford that, but you need to be my best friend. <laughs> and then, if that's not enough, uh, Britain offers a slice of pizza for $2,000. One slice of pizza for $2,000. And if you want the whole pie, it's $16,000. Who has the money to buy a pizza for $16,000? Or you can go to Italy... Now, the price of the ticket to, you know, the airplane ride over there is going to be a little expensive too, but you can go to Italy and get a pizza for $12,000. But you know what the most expensive meal that I've ever eaten? Now we're going to talk about Pastor Dan for just a minute. <laughs> the most expensive meal that I have ever eaten is the Lord's table. It is. It is the most expensive meal because it was purchased by the blood of Jesus. It was a, it was a, it, you know, I didn't pay a dime. He paid it all. He invited me to partake with him. And it was the most expensive meal that I have ever had. And it is great. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to, God has invited you, his child, to a table. And he has purchased your ticket in. And it is going to be awesome for you. But before we get there, uh, a lot of, you know, we have a lot of new people to Grace Church. A lot of people have never had much experience with Christianity. And so this might be a new experience for some of you. So I want to talk a little bit about the Lord's table, what it means and what it is. And so let me just start by, let's talk about its purpose. The, the purpose of the Lord's table called communion is it is a memorial. It's a memorial. It's for you and I to remember. We're going to talk about why in just a few minutes, but it is a remembrance. So you and I won't forget what God has done for us. So where we're going to start today in Scripture is 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, verse number 23. This is the Apostle Paul speaking about that night that Jesus partook bread with his disciples. And this is what he says. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. He then broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Notice that phrase, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this again in remembrance of me. It is a memorial supper. It is for you and I to partake of so that we won't forget what God has done in our life. So I want to tell you a story. There's a guy by the name of John Holgram, and he is a trucker in the United States, and he painted his cab in an unusual way. He painted the names of all those who lost their lives in 9-11, on 
And he drives around the country. And literally, this is what he says. Oftentimes, he'll be driving down the highway and a highway patrolman or a police officer will pull up behind him, turn his lights on, stop him, pull him over so he, because he wants to take a picture with, uh, you know, you know, with this guy and his cap. And, uh, I mean, it's a pretty unusual thing, but, but uh, John actually uh, does a great job in helping us remember a sacrifice that was paid by first responders, by all sorts of things that went on that day. His truck not only helps him remember, but it also helps others to remember as well. And that's what the Lord's Table is all about. But remembering is more than just snapping a picture and uh, by, you know, by a truck. It's, it's more than that. That's a very passive way to remember, right? There's very, very, very low buy-in. All you got to do is have a cell phone or some type of camera and you can snap a picture and all is good. But genuine remembrance is active. It's not passive. So when we partake of the Lord's table, it's not a passive remembrance. It's an active remembrance. It embarks us on a purposeful, purposeful course of action. It has a very intentional purpose behind it. John's remembrance is a good example of active remembrance on his account. I mean, he's doing something. He's, act, he's taking his belief and putting it to action. And that's what you and I are called to do in the Lord's table as we partake. It's more than an event. It's more than just something we're going to do here on Sunday morning. It is something we take with us everywhere we go. And in the same way that John drove around the country displaying the 9-11 victims, you and I are to take the name of Jesus everywhere we go. That is an active faith. That's an active participation. So let's start with the question, why would I do it today? Why should I partake in, of communion today? And uh, according to research, the reason why is that the, the average attention span has dropped from 12 seconds. You, I, whether you realize this or not, you have less today, you have less than a 12-second attention span. So let me just count on 12. No, I'm not going to do that. You have less than a 12-second uh, attention span. But, you know, here's the thing. Since 2000, that, was, that survey was done in 2000, and about right around, the, you know, around 2000, they did it again, and guess what? In 15, 15 years later, our attention span dropped to 8.25 seconds. You and I have an attention span that's worse than our dog. <laughs> you know, because they'll sit, they'll sit there and stare at a piece of meat for a long period of time before you say, okay, you can have this snack, Okay. Me, not so much. I'm just going to grab it out of your hand. So it is safe to say that we've become, I think this is pretty reasonable, we've become a distracted community. Do you believe that? You know, even for you, when you're listening to Pastor Dan's wonderful sermons. <laughs> that was so bad. When you're, when you're watching, when you're watching a sermon or you're listening to a sermon, I bet you anything that you come in and out of it probably 15 times in a half hour because your mind goes, mm, look at that bird, <laughs> right? Come on, let's be honest. And, you're, you know, I'll say something to stimulate, and pretty soon I'll have talked five more minutes, and you're, you're engaging back with me about five minutes later. And now we go on for another couple minutes, and that happens over and over again in the course of a sermon. I realize that. I can see it in your eyes. So don't sit in the front rows here. I'm just saying don't sit in the front rows because I can see. I can tell when you're out. I can just tell when you're out, okay? So, uh, 
So it is something that we need to do because God knows we are a distracted society. And this is a way to calm ourselves down, to really slow our lives down. We live in a hectic, purpose-driven culture. But the reality is, is that we are, we are very distracted. And so this is a time when we can just forget all the things that are around us, all the things in front of us, all the problems that we have for just a few minutes, and we can focus in on this amazing thing. So let's talk about what the Lord's table is. First of all, it's a proclamation. We're, every, time you per, every time you partake of the Lord's table, you are preaching. You become a preacher. You are a, you're a proclaimer of some truth that are very, it's very, import, very important. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26 says, For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Uh, that is such an amazing truth. So you become the preacher. As you partake of communion, you become the proclaimer. You're announcing to everybody around you two things. You're announcing that you believe in the death of Jesus and his return. That's what that text just said. You believe that not only did Christ die for your sins, went to the grave and was then resurrected again and ascended into heaven, but you're also proclaiming in your faith that you believe that he's coming again. That's one of the reasons that you partake today is you're proclaiming and announcing to everybody around you that you believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ. So it is a proclamation. Secondly, it is a fellowship. This is so beautiful. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 says, when we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? Stop there, just let that soak in. Aren't we sharing, becoming partners in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? So there is a partnership, there is a fellowship. And I know that this might shock some of you, but you know, some of you that come from very rigid you know, backgrounds in the Christian faith, but there is something, I don't know what the right word, but there's something spiritual, there is something dynamic, that some, something happens when you and I share together in this communion table. We're sharing in the blood of Christ. We are becoming partners with Jesus, and we are sharing with one another. There is something that is supernatural. That's the right word. That was the word I was searching for. There is something supernatural that happens when I partake of communion. And so it is not just a memorial. It is a supernatural event that God wants to, to enter into your life with, and it is a very powerful thing. So the next logical question would be, how do I prepare for this thing? You should prepare for the Lord's table. You don't just show up and do it haphazardly or without thought. There is a preparation process. So how do I do this? How do I pre prepare my heart? First of all, the Lord's table is to be taken with reverence. It's not to be taken lightly in any way, shape, or form. And here's why. 1 Corinthians 11, verse number 27 says, So for anyone who eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily. I don't know exactly what that means, but if you partake of it in a flippant way, you are guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That's what Paul said to the church at Corinth. And that church, I know something about that church, that church was arguing among themselves. They were arguing about who was greatest. They were, they were fight, there was infighting going on. There was drunkenness at the Lord's table. I mean, people would come, they would actually partake of it with wine in, in, in that era. And, uh, 
And the reality is, is there were people that were having a, three or four too many glasses of wine at the Lord's table, and they're getting drunk in this process. And so Paul writes to this church and says, uh, time out here, let's just reset this thing. This is a supernatural event, and don't take it in an unworthy manner, because if you do that, you are drinking you're drinking judgment to yourself. Paul goes on to explain to that church, that's why some of you have got sick. And that's why some of you have even died because you have not seen the Lord's table in a holy, reverent way. That is kind of shaking, isn't it? Because God wants us to partake of it, but he doesn't want us to do it in a way that is unworthy of his name. So stop right now in your seat right now. Let's just pray a prayer together. God, if there's anything in my life that would be causing me to do this in an unworthy way, just reveal it to me so that I can confess it. Just reveal it to me so that I can confess it. And whatever it is, you can look back up at me for just a second. Uh, Whatever that is, that was probably the Holy Spirit talking to you, by the way. And what you do with that is simply this. You say, okay, God, I can't, I can't change my life. You can. I can't change this about me. You can. So I confess whatever it is. And if it's habitual sin that you just keep going back to, we all sin. But when it's something that I'm purposing, when it's something that I know is wrong and I continue to go back to that same cesspool and drink of that same cesspool of sin, then there's, I've got to deal with that before I partake of the Lord's table. If I've got anger in my heart towards another believer, I need to deal with that. If I haven't forgiven them completely, because wouldn't that be a mockery to claim your your forgiveness and yet hold anger towards another brother or sister? That would be kind of mocking the Lord's table, wouldn't it? That would be how you partake of the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. But once we've taken care of that, Uh, It's a beautiful thing. In the early church, by the way, sin was not just seen as a personal matter, but was also something that destroyed the unity of the church. So we kind of operate thinking, well, I'm just hurting myself. No, that's not true. We are the body of Christ. We are joined together by the blood of Jesus. And so what happens in one person's life really technically happens to all of us. So there's a sense in which we have to see, we have to see ourselves in an individualistic world as a corporate body of Christ. We are the body of Jesus. We're his church. And that's that's awesome. And then something else that I think people don't understand that about the Lord's table, it is to be done together. It's not, I know that we live in an age where we all just want to go do our own thing, but the the Bible is very clear about this. It is to be done together. Whether you're here today or online, we're doing this together. 1 Corinthians 11.33 says, So my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. Paul tells his church to say, this is a corporate event. Wait for each other. Don't, don't be selfish. And what we learn from that passage is, is that this, is, this, is, this isn't an event that's supposed to be done in the secret in a closet. This is to be done in the church, in the body of Christ. So that is a beautiful expression as well. And the last thing that I'm going to say, actually, before we partake of the Lord's table, is that it is to be done in genuine worship. It's an expression of worship. You know, we sing songs here at Grace Church. They're great. They're awesome. 
Sometimes worship happens and sometimes it doesn't, however. Sometimes, and by the way, worship isn't about how you feel when you walk out of here. (laughs) It's not about, we're not worshiping you. I don't know if you knew that or not, I'm just telling you. We're worshiping Him, the God of the God of gods and King of kings, Lord of lords. And uh, so communion is an ultimate expression. When I eat that wafer in a minute and I drink that cup of juice, I'm ultimately expressing a devotion to Christ. I'm actually declaring the worth of Christ in an unprecedented manner. It is a beautiful expression of worship. And so as you prepare your heart and as you sing to the Lord and as you and as you confess your sin, I would invite you to just realize, think about where would you be without the blood of Jesus? Where would you be without that? And I'm going to suggest that without the blood of Jesus, that you would be on your road to hell. You would be. You'd be separated from God for all eternity. But God somehow, some way, opened your blind eyes to the truth of the gospel drew you to himself by the power of the Holy Spirit, applied his blood to your account, wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life forever and ever and ever. And this is one thing that I love about God is God doesn't, re- God doesn't change his mind. His covenants are irrevocable. He has an irrevocable, irrevocable covenant with you based on the blood of Jesus Christ. And nothing happens without that blood. Nothing happens. There are people that want to take the blood out of Christianity because it, it grosses them out. Let me tell you, listen carefully. Your sin demanded it. Your sin demanded a sacrifice that was so awful, people couldn't watch it. The Bible says that Jesus was beaten beyond recognition. And it was, it was because of my sin. And I can't take the blood. I can't take the blood out of Christianity. It is just there. It's what makes me, it, what's, it's what grants me access to God. I've exchanged my sin for his righteousness. So now I possess the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's a gift. But it all hinges on whether I put my confidence in the blood of Jesus. Father, thank you for that great truth. Help us understand it more deeply. Help us to grab hold of your truth, God. And Lord God, I thank you for everyone here. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you just take a moment to think about all that God has redeemed you from?
When you came in today, you received a cup. You should have received a cup. So let's all take that cup out now. And let's, in a reverent, quiet way, 
let's tear that cup. There's two tabs. You tear the top one first, and then you pull out the wafer, and then you pull the second one, and there you have the juice. And so while you're doing that, let me explain to you the wafer. This wafer represents the incarnation of Jesus. It represents the fact that sometime, I don't know when, sometime in eternity past, the Son, conferring with the Father and the Spirit, made a decision to empty himself of the right to be regarded as God. Now think about what that means. When he was on the planet, he was 100% God. But no one saw it. Even his disciples could barely see it. Once in a while, they'd break through, but most, for the most part, nobody saw him as God. He wasn't regarded as the God that he is and was. So he emptied himself of that right. He takes on the form of a servant. And he, this is, a, this is an unleavened piece of cracker. And this, in, in the Bible, leaven represents sin. So this represents the fact that Jesus was without sin. So when I partake of this today, I'm declaring that I believe that Jesus was the Lamb of God, sinless and blameless. He was the God of the universe and that he came as a demonstration of his love for me to show me how much he loved me and to redeem my soul, to buy me back, to purchase me. We'll get to that in just a minute. But this represents amazing sacrifice. When you think about the fact that Jesus now empties himself and for all eternity he was worshipped and he was regarded in the right, right place but now as a man he is brutalized and he is ridiculed and he is rejected and he's questioned everything he does and then on the cross, probably one of the most sacrificial moments of Jesus, he cries out and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For the very first time, he felt alone. He was alone. All but two of his disciples had deserted him, his mother and John. All the rest fled because they were afraid of what would happen to them. But Jesus, the Son of God, endured all that blameless and that sacrifice would have been nothing would have meant nothing had he not been blameless he was the lamb of god without blemish and we worship him as such so take the cracker and partake with me i'm going to be honest with you that cracker is a little bitter isn't it that's a good thing that's a good thing because the bitter life that Jesus experienced was on our behalf because he loves us so much. And then we partake of the juice. And this was a cup at the Lord's table. There was this event called the Passover and he took what is called the cup of redemption from this meal. And he said, this is my covenant. This is the, this is the covenant that I'm now making with with." between God and man, and it's sealed, ratified by my blood. And what happens as a result of that is that you get forgiveness of sins. All your sins are washed away. So what that means is, is when I believe on Jesus, 
that I will never stand before God in answer to any sin that I've ever committed in, in the eternal perspective. It's all washed. I'm blameless before his throne. And it was all brought about by the suffering he did on the cross. So let's think about that for just a minute. Jesus spent six hours on this cross. The last few were unbearable. He eventually died of suffocation because he couldn't pull himself up to breathe any longer. And he died a criminal's death beside two criminals. He was pronounced a criminal by that execution. But that wouldn't be, of course, the last word because he would rise from the dead. But I want you to imagine the suffering that day that he went through. And I want you to answer this question, why would he do that? And the answer is because he loves us so, so immensely that words can't describe it. And if you've ever doubted God's love, all you have to do is look at the cross to determine whether he really does love you. It is amazing. No, I, I take that back. It's not amazing. I, amazing doesn't describe the blood of Jesus. It could, how could any human word describe the blood that Jesus shed for your sins where you would be washed white as wool, white as snow, that you would be completely blameless and that you would have an eternity secured by a God that never changes his mind. He's not going to sometime in the future go, oh, I made a mistake there. You have a covenant with God ratified by the blood of Jesus. That's what this cup represents. And what does God want from you? He just wants you to live in ultimate gratitude every day of your life. And people who live in gratitude live for Jesus. You just do the things that Jesus wants you to do just because they're the right things and you know they're the right things. It's not hard. Jesus' ways are easy when you live out of gratitude. It's not hard to serve Jesus. It's easy to serve Jesus when you're doing it in gratitude for the cross. Right? I mean, when that's the case, I just serve him. So with that in mind, he says to his disciples, take this and drink all of it. This is my blood. I want to end where I started. You just participated in the most expensive meal that anyone will ever buy for you or you'll ever purchase for yourself. Brought to you by the blood of Jesus, the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Father, help us never to forget that. As we go our separate ways today, I pray that long into this day we'll remember the events of today and how we remembered you and your work and your power in our life. Thank you for this day. In Jesus' holy name, amen.